This is the third Sunday of the holy season of Advent. And during the season of Advent, we light candles to mark the progression of the time uh, through which Christ is coming through uh, his Advent of the Incarnation. And I'm going to ask Gwen Erb to come up and share with us a teaching regarding the Advent candles. In our sermon today, we'll learn that our Lord God Almighty reigns now and forevermore. He loved us from the beginning of time. He set his son to live among us, to die for our imperfections, and to triumph over death. So what is our response to the coming celebration of Jesus' birth? A big part of our preparations should be joyful. Even in a dark world, there's joy in the realization of a promise fulfilled. And there's joy in the knowledge that God loves you, and he loves me so much that he sent a Messiah as a tiny baby who was prophesied from the earliest days of creation, who will come to deliver us and provide eternal life. The joy of knowing how much God loves each one of us is a joy that warms our hearts and makes God's people sing praises to his name. So today we'll ready our hearts for the season and we'll express our joy by lighting a special candle and we've already prepared by singing some special praises to the Lord this morning. But Jesus' life on earth is just one part of the promise of God for his people. Our verses today remind us that our Lord God is now at work in our lives and in our world. He is active and he is powerful. Listen to the promises from Revelation. 11.15, the seventh angel sounded his trumpet, and there were loud voices in heaven which said, The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Messiah, and he will reign forever and ever. And again in Revelation 19.6, Then I heard what sounded like a great multitude, like the roar of rushing waters, like loud peals of thunder shouting, Alleluia, for our Lord God Almighty reigns. Joy comes from knowing that our sovereign Lord, who can do anything, chooses to love us. And his deepest desire is that we will turn to him with our sorrows, with our troubles, and to turn to him in repentance. He knows the sorrows of our lives and the hardships of living in an imperfect world. But we can trust him to bind up the brokenhearted. We can trust that he is in control and that he will fulfill his promises. For when our Lord comes, sorrow and darkness disappears and joy abounds. And one day, gladness and joy will overtake God's redeemed people, and we will be free of darkness forever. God's people will shout, and they will sing, and everlasting joy will crown their heads. They will sing in triumph, for the Lord God Almighty reigns forever and ever. Alleluia. As we've been doing through our Advent season, we're going to share again what Gwen just read. If the words are important enough from the gospel for the pastors to lead you to them twice, we hope that you'll find them important enough to embed in your heart. Our first scripture comes from chapter 19, verse 6 in the Revelation. Then I heard what sounded like a great multitude, like the roar of rushing waters, and like loud peals of thunder shouting, Alleluia! For the Lord God Almighty reigns. And our second scripture that parrots the first, chapter 11, verse 15 of the same book. The seventh angel sounded his trumpet, and there were loud voices in heaven which said, The kingdom of this world 
has become the kingdom of the Lord and of his Messiah. And he will reign forever and ever. This is the word of God for the people of God. Let us give thanks. Will you pray for me, pray with me, and pray for our pastor who comes to preach this morning. Well, Lord, our God, as we come on this third Sunday of Advent, we light that candle of joy knowing that you provide all the joy that we shall ever know. Through all the twists and turns of life, as Gwen has just shared, there you are providing us hope and love and indeed joy. We ask, O God, that we might embrace it and live with it. And we thank you for the hope that not only these scriptures, but all the others bring to us, that when the day comes, when we shall breathe no more, when our hearts shall cease to beat, there is a place for us on the other side of what we see, your eternal kingdom. And we are a part of that and indeed engaged in that eternity right now. We ask, O God, your strong spirit, wash over Pastor Keith this morning. Fill his heart as he comes forward to preach your gospel so that he might not hesitate. He might not be uh, one who is not ready to speak, but he is in every way prepared. Bathe him with your Holy Spirit and allow his words to be those from your very throne. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning. I want to uh, just make note that probably every pastor in the country this week took their sermon and probably went like this. Except for the fact that I still need this. So I didn't like tear it dramatically. Because here's the deal. The scriptures that we read this morning, I think, are the perfect scriptures to encourage us, to comfort us, and to help us become more of who we were created to be in light of what happened this week. Because indeed, these scriptures proclaim to us the truth that our God reigns forever and ever, no matter what. You see, when you read the book of Revelation and you read these texts, this uh, proclamation of our God reigns forever and ever and the kingdom of our Lord has, has become the kingdom of this world, these were not... Uh, given at some sort of celestial summer camp. These texts were not given, this vision was not given to a people who had everything going their way in the world. These texts, this vision, was given to a people who were enduring great suffering, great persecution. Persecution much like what we've experienced in our land but on a far greater scale. And yet, this word was given. Our God reigns. The church was attacked. The church was persecuted. And Christians were hauled off by the government into the Colosseum. I've been to the Roman Colosseum and have seen the place where they used to take Christians and throw them to the wolves and to the lions to be destroyed for their faith. It was in cities like Rome where where great men of God like the Apostle Peter and the Apostle Paul were led to their deaths at the hands of emperors, at the hands of their government, and were given one more opportunity to proclaim Caesar is Lord. And these men and women would only say Jesus is Lord. 
I read a story in, a, in a, one of my church history books. I'm kind of a church history geek, and I don't care, um, about a, a, a bishop, an early church bishop, who was uh, burned at the stake alive. And as they were burning him, he taunted those who were doing the burning by saying, you attempt to destroy me with flames that will last for half an hour at the most when the flames of hell will consume you forever and ever. You see, this is the kind of, this is the kind of world to which this vision was spoken into. And because of that, I think we too can be comforted by this truth. And no matter what, no matter whatever happens, in times of great suffering, our God reigns. And we know that God's desire ultimately is to restore this world. But as you see in Revelation, it doesn't just happen with flowers and sing songs and all kinds of you know fun little things. It happens through fire. It happens through judgment. And it happens through death. You see, if you were to read in these chapters in Revelation, you would see that, that God brings judgment. And we don't like to talk about judgment a whole lot, do we? We want a God that, that, you know, has feathered hair and a blue sash and has a lamb that he carries around. Not a God that comes with a sword. Not a God that, that, that brings fire and judgment to, to evil in this world. But I would submit to you today, when you see the evil that occurred on Friday, do you look at a God and say, where is judgment? You see, we want a God of love. But what I would say is this, that you can't have a God of love unless there's judgment. Because God's love is expressed through His judgment. And I will tell you this, if you read Revelation, you'll see, in the end, in the end, you and I and everyone in Connecticut and China and other places where evil occurs will agree with God's judgment. We, like those in, in, the, in the heavenly realms, the, these 24 elders that we would read about who, who speak these words, it says in, in the text that the 24 elders who, who judged the nations stand up in their thrones. They, they come down from their thrones and they fall on their face before the Lord God. And they say, hallelujah, for our Lord God Almighty reigns. You and I will join them when we see God's judgment on evil, when we see God's restoration in this world. We will agree. And that's important. So what does it mean to us that God reigns? See, we could say that all day long, right? And Because and, and, that's about the future to some degree, isn't it? I mean, Revelation is about things that, that will come to pass. So we could say, well, well, yes, God reigns. But what does that mean for those families who are mourning the loss? Or for those of us in this room who are mourning a loss, who've suffered some sort of evil? Is it a consolation to say to them or to you that, well, God reigns? I remember when 9-11 took place, I was in my office and, and I, I, I watched on a small on a small television set, the plane hit the World Trade Center or, or the, 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 and the building fall. And, and I remember feeling like, what is going on? And, and, and a, a well-meaning person who loves Jesus walked, walked in and said, well, God's in control. On to the next thing. And I remember thinking, 
okay, on one hand, I do believe that, right? I do believe that God is in control, but somehow I wrestle with the idea of what does that mean in terms of, of, of things happening? Did God somehow control that? Was that God's will? How does it all wrestle? Do, do you share with these questions that I have? You see, that's a question that people want to know. Where was God? On Friday or on Thursday or on whatever day evil takes place in this world, which I would say is every day. Where is God in all that? What does it mean that we say our God reigns? See, what it means ultimately is this. That what we do in this world, in this life, actually matters to God. You see, there's a whole lot of Christians who can't say that. There's a whole lot of Christians who would say, it doesn't really matter what happens in this world because, and we have songs that we sing, this world is not my home. I'm just passing through, right? Someday I'll fly away. I'll get out of this dump and I'll go be with Jesus with the rest of my church friends and this world can have whatever it wants. I I understand that point of view. But I will tell you this, it's not entirely scriptural. Because the, the, the world has this understanding that If we live for the next life or whatever, then that means that this life doesn't matter a whole lot. People even sing songs about it. I was listening to a sermon this week where a pastor was talking about this text and he was, he was remarking about the John Lennon song, Imagine, you know, the great song that says, Imagine there's no heaven, no religion. Imagine all the people living for today. Aha, whatever he says. I remember hearing that song as a kid going, what's the deal with this guy? You know, why would somebody want to imagine there's no heaven? I mean, isn't heaven a great place? Why would you want to imagine that it's not there? But then I began to realize the point of view from someone like that and and understand it to a certain point that believes that if if there are certain people that believe that that life is all about what happens after you die and that this world doesn't matter, then there's no effort being made. There's There's no investment made into this world. And yet we still complain about evil. If you were to, to read on in Revelation over to chapter 21, here's what you'd see. John writes this, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth have passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. And he who is seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. And he also said, write these down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. The one who conquers will have this heritage, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. The dwelling place of God ultimately is is not some ethereal 
non-dimensional world that we dream of. The the dwelling place of God is, is in this restored, renewed earth that God brings heaven down to. And if you remember the words of our Lord as He prayed, on earth as it is in heaven, you recognize that as believers in Christ, our job is to usher in the kingdom. Our job is not to, to, to evacuate, but rather to help God in the process of renewing this world so that these words will be fulfilled. The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of His Messiah, and He will reign forever and ever. How you live in this world, what you do in this world and to this world matters. Because our God reigns forever. It also means that we have resources for the lives that we should live. We have resources. God has given us everything that we need to usher in this kingdom. I, I got a, a, a Twitter message yesterday from a, from a guy who went to this church but has, has moved away. And, he, and he, he just sent me this, this little message and it said, I'm trying to hear from God, but I don't know how to hear God's voice. What do I do? And I haven't yet responded, but when I do, I'm, I'm going to point him to, to this resource that God has given me. And I brought my big Bible today, so you know I'm not kidding around. This is a resource that God has given to us. He, he's given us the power of the Holy Spirit. He's given us the strength, and He's given us this encouragement that in the face of evil and great suffering, that we can prevail, that we can make it because our God reigns. You and I lack nothing to usher in God's kingdom because we have the presence of our Lord and we have His Word and we have our lives that are to be yielded up to Him as living sacrifices. And as we do that, His kingdom comes. And finally, what it means that God reigns is this, that God will make right those things that have been wrong. Many of you, all of us, have suffered some sort of wrong, some more dramatic and, and devastating than others. And, and church, understand this. Those things that have been wrong, God, because God is a God of judgment, does not just brush those things aside callously and ignore them. He does not just pretend that they didn't happen and tell you just to get over it. He does not imagine that they never existed. Instead, what God chooses to do is to wipe every tear. To take everything that's been done to us and to restore it and to redeem it and ultimately to use it for His glory. You can be comforted. These were words of comfort to his church, to us. That although things around may look dire, and, and they are, and that evil prevails, so it may seem, understand this, in the end, Jesus wins. So since this is all true, how does it change you? How does it change you? Well, how many people in here have ever taped a football game because you couldn't watch it and you spent all day avoiding everybody who knows what happened because when you get home, you want to watch it like everybody else, right? You ever do that? So you're walking through your day. You're like, don't tell me, don't tell me. 
Whatever you're going to do. I used to answer the phone like that sometimes. Whatever happened in the fights last night, I don't want to know about it. I haven't seen him yet. I'll watch it later. And invariably, someone always goes, oh, can you believe they pulled it out in the fourth quarter? Can you believe the kick made it? And you just go, ah. But even though your, your momentary excitement is gone, when you sit down to watch that game, are you stressed out? <laughs> See, I don't know how we got pulled into this. But because we're not real big TV watchers in my house, but we got we got pulled into watching The Voice. You ever see this show? You know, it's kind of like an American Idol thing. People come up there and sing and judges vote and people cry and they go home and, and then America gets to vote and, and, and all this kind of we got like totally like enamored with this in my house to where it like controls us. I'm not I'm not proud to say it. So like we have meetings on Monday nights or Tuesday nights or whatever, and, and, and Stella and I are, 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 are working towards things. So, so a few weeks ago, or a couple weeks ago, was my, my wife's birthday was, was on December 5th, and, and the night before that, Tuesday night, they were ready to send someone home, right? America was voting, and we've all got our favorites, and, and we had covenanted as a family, right? It was this big moment. No one's going to find out what happens. Stella says, I want to get up at 6 o'clock in the morning, and we can watch the rerun on Hulu, right? So we wake up in the morning... And we all gather around, and wouldn't you know it, as I'm trying to find out what's going on like the night before, and whether it's going to be posted or whatever, I happen to see who got sent home. Oh. And I'm listening to my kids. If Trevin goes home, there's a travesty. If, if, if Terry doesn't leave, the world doesn't know anything about music. Just bear with me, those of you that have never seen it. But, see, I knew the result. So in the morning... When everybody was nervous and terrified and, 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 and the, the cameras were panning in and panning out on the, on the, on the people who were going to be sent home, I knew that my guy Nicholas was going to be safe, right? Because I had seen the night before who went home. Now, because of that, I had no anxiety. I had no fear because I knew in the end he was going to win, at least for now. Maybe a little anxiety about this week. See, here's the deal. No matter what the score is right now, no matter how bad it looks today, no matter when it seems like all is lost, we have the hope because we know that in the end our God reigns forever and ever. And because of that, we'll be okay. We can be okay. Th those little kids that were murdered, they're okay. You know, God has received them into His kingdom. The Lord says, let, let the children come to me. Don't hinder them. And I believe the same is true for those little children, that, that as they were, were ushered into God's kingdom, they looked at him, and if they had the choice, they probably wouldn't come back. They're, they're okay. We're the ones that hurt. You see, they've already understood the hope. We can have that hope. So how does that change you? I hope it gives you hope. I also hope that, and ask that because it's true, that it makes us more obedient people. We can be obedient because we know that in the end, our God reigns. We can invest in obedience. I say invest in obedience because sometimes it's hard to do that. Sometimes when we obey God, it feels like we're, we're putting ourselves in the hands of, a, of, of something that isn't going to pay off. When someone wrongs us and, and, and our desire is to, to judge them or get, seek revenge on them, but yet the Word of God tells us not to repay evil with evil, but to overcome evil with good. The Bible tells us that we're to turn the other cheek. The Bible tells us that we're to pray for those who persecute us, that we're to, to love our enemies. That feels like an investment sometimes because it doesn't feel natural to us. 
But because we know in the end that our God reigns forever and ever, we can invest in obedience. We can live those lives that even though it might cost us everything, we know in the end it's going to be okay. And finally, I'll tell you this. Because we know that our God reigns forever, we can be courageous. We can be courageous. Anybody here afraid to fail? Anybody here not know what to do when it comes to Christmas time, when all your crazy family comes back? And, and, and there are some in the family that you feel like you need to say things to, but you're afraid to because you don't want to offend them and maybe you know say something wrong and, and, and misrepresent the gospel? Or, or maybe there's, there's some that you keep saying stuff to over and over again. And you're afraid not to say anything because you're afraid you're going to misrepresent the gospel. So we have this anxiety sometimes about, should I say things? Should I not say things? Should I do this? Should I not do that? There are some of you in this room here today that, that God has given a calling to and a vision to to do something amazing with your life, but yet this fear courses through your, your soul that says, well, what if I fail? What if it doesn't work out? What if I, what if I try that for the gospel and it does not succeed? See, that fear of failure can paralyze you, but when you recognize the truth of the Scripture that our God reigns forever and ever, then the truth is this. When you step out in obedience to Christ, when you step out in faith, then you cannot fail. Oh, your plan might fail, but the gospel will not fail. Your idea might not work out. We have ideas all the time that don't work out, don't we, Pastor Mike? And nobody's keeping score, but we do. I mean, we try things in church all the time. And Mike and I will look at each other and go, well, that didn't work. And some of you are going, yeah, we have a list right here. We'll send it to you. I'm not going to put our name on it. I'm just going to send it to you. Merry Christmas. Here's how you stink, right? So here's the deal. You know why we can deal with stuff like that? Because we, don't, we know it ain't about us. And we know that, that, that we can put the gospel out and you can put the gospel out. I, we, we can live obedient, courageous lives for Christ and so can you. We can give of ourselves. We can invest in the kingdom. We can return justice and mercy when evil is given to us because we know that in our obedience to Christ, we cannot fail because it's all about Him. We've put it in His hands. we put our lives in His hands. See, God right now is asking you and is asking me, is asking all of us in the wake of these terrible things that have happened not to lose hope, not to throw up our hands and say, well, there's nothing we can do. Everybody's trying to figure out what they're supposed to do, right? Some people want no guns. Some people want everybody to have guns. Some people think that we should take our kids and hide them away. Some people think that, that we should uh, sit with them in school. Everywhere you look, someone's going to have a different opinion, and, and people want to always answer the question, you know what, our job isn't to figure all that out. Our job is to trust the Lord and live obedient lives submitted to Him that are courageous in nature because we know that Jesus wins. And because we know that Jesus wins, we can light that joy candle t- even today. Because we know that there is a day coming when out of the sky, this beautiful city will descend. And in that city, when the gates are opened, we who love Christ 
who've been saved by his grace will be ushered into that great city and we'll have every one of those tears wiped away. And we won't need the sun anymore because we'll have the Lord. We won't need a sanctuary like this anymore. We won't even need that nice new one because we'll have Jesus right there with us and we'll sing his praises forevermore. What does that look like? I think it looks a little bit about like what we saw today. Time's about a billion. And because I know that's where we're headed, then whatever happens today, I can make it. And you can make it. Because Jesus already has. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, in the midst of our rejoicing for your goodness, Lord, we continue to lift up all those affected by evil of the worst kind, Lord. We grieve with them, but Lord, we also rejoice because our names are written in the book of life. And we ask today, God, that your gospel would go out boldly and mightily through each of us with the message that you reign forever and ever. Lord, I thank you that that message was boldly proclaimed throughout this city today and will be today again. May it be proclaimed every day as we live lives that honor you and that are used by you to bring more of this kingdom to this world. In Jesus' name, amen.